Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to the second season of Infertile AF, the podcast. It is 2020. It's going to be an awesome year. We have so much cool stuff in store for you guys this season. So we're going to get right to it with episode 42. This is called Keely. Okay, so let me tell you guys a little bit about Keely. She is a producer who lives in London, and she's going to tell us the story today about how she went through eight different rounds of IVF, not only in London, but she also traveled to Spain and Russia. So we're going to hear what happened with her story and where she is now. I also want to thank our mutual friend, Gail, who you guys have heard me talk about several times on this podcast, because Gail is the ultimate connector. She's got this amazing network of fierce women friends who are all doing really cool things. And she is the one who told me about Keely. So Thank you, Gail. Love you, girl. And without further ado, this is Keely's infertility story. Hi, Keely. How are you today? I'm really good, Ali. How are you? I'm so good and I'm so excited to talk to you. We've been trying to line this up for a little while. Are you in London? I am in London. Yes, London town. Yeah, I've lived in London pretty much all my life. So yeah, I live uh, in London with my husband. Uh, All my family are from Mm -hmm. London and I'm actually a producer. So Uh I produce commercials and photography, but I don't do that at the moment because I gave up my job. Okay. Years ago. All right. Very cool. So I do want to say that we have a mutual friend, our friend Gail. I texted Gail last night and I said, I'm interviewing Keely tomorrow. And she's like, how do you know her? And I said, through <laughs> you. And she's like, oh. <laughs> I don't even know my own power. That's I know, right? Yeah. So anyway, I know that you have had you know a long and arduous battle with <clears throat> unexplained infertility, right? Yeah. So yeah. can you start us at the beginning? Tell me when you, you know, started to try and when you knew that there was a problem. Sure. So I got married at the ripe old age of 35. My husband and I got together about eight years ago. So when I was like 33, we've known each other for forever, but we didn't actually get together until like 20 years after. We both went to the same school, basically, which is very odd. But um, yeah, same with my husband and I. So were oh, really? you guys friends, but not like So dating, he's like a tiny bit younger than me. Okay. Um, so at school, I was like not that interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his kind of best friend is the younger brother of one of my best friends from school. So it was all, you know, kind of a bit incestuous. But like we just mm-hmm. hung out and just just friends and kind of kept in touch vaguely over the years, bumping each other in the pub or whatever. But And then I was very single in my early 30s. And mm-hmm. some friends, our two friends basically said are you single we think you should go out with John and I was like had a quick stalk on Facebook and was like well yeah he's he's turned out well um <laughs> thank god for social media you can thank like, god for social media exactly um, a quick quick deep dive exactly and we went out on a date and then I basically I mean I didn't officially move in until about six months later but I pretty much moved in and then we got married when um two years later and we but we kind of started trying pretty much straight away but like not trying as in like pissing on a stick kind of trying just having a lot of sex as you do <laughs> pissing on a stick I love it pissing on a stick sorry that's a very English so no I love stick, it or whatever I love it. 
you know, we were just having a lot of sex, yeah. hoping that it was going to work yeah. out. And we're like, yeah, of course, we've got loads of time. We'll just enjoy being married and right. all of the usual cliches that, that kind of happen. Had you guys talked about like, we want to have X amount of kids or like, had you had those discussions? Uh, yeah, we had those on our first date. <laughs> um, <You did? laughs> yeah, yeah. We were like, do you want to have kids? Yeah. Do you want to have kids? Yeah. I was like, ideally too, but you know, whatever, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I think I was always quite conscious that I was already in my mid thirties when I was starting to try to have kids. So uh-huh. although it didn't play on my mind initially, I, I guess it was always slightly there just to be like, we've got to kind of crack on with this because you never know, mm-hmm. even though you never think it's going to happen to you. And I'd spent years comforting friends going, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, it'll happen. And yeah, I don't even know if I can have kids, the irony of ironies now. But so yeah, we started trying. And then after about six months, six to nine months, I was kind of like, I think we should go to the doctor. I think just because I was a bit aware of I was probably more aware of what was going on and I had like regular periods. I don't have any, I've never had any issues. Uh-huh. So um, nothing was happening. You I weren't like having miscarriages. You just weren't getting pregnant. No, right? just wasn't getting pregnant. Okay. So we went to the GP and they basically said to us straight away, you've got unexplained infertility and we would recommend you go straight to IVF. Wow. Which was kind of, it wasn't not what I was expecting, but, you know, loads of friends were like, oh, they'll put you on Clomid. I was like, okay, for one, that doesn't apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, when people come up with these, all these solutions that they think is going to work. Right. Um, was that like a mind-blowing diagnosis, though? I mean, that's pretty – how did they know, um, like, for sure right away? What did they I do? I mean, they didn't. It was like the local GP. And, okay. you know, our – I mean, our health service here is totally incredible, but – at a local level, you know, it's like any sort of general practitioner. They, they're okay. not experts in fertility. They don't, you know, exactly know what's going on. But gotcha. we had all the basic blood tests and, you know, there didn't seem to be, you know, and John's sperm was fine. And, mm-hmm. yeah, my AMH wasn't particularly high. Well, it was quite low, but they didn't, there was no reason why. It didn't mean I couldn't get pregnant. So we started to try and go into uh, our NHS in terms of our kind of state health service here Mm -hmm. because we qualified for three rounds of treatment, which is totally amazing because I don't know if um, some of your listeners might not know, and I know it's totally different in the States and I appreciate how lucky people are here. Um, But even here, it's like a lottery depending on where you live. Okay. So like some places in London, you might get one round, some you'll get three, some you won't get any at all. And that varies up and down the country as well. So we were super lucky. Wow. But when we got the kind of referral to go to see a fertility specialist, the appointment was for, uh, I think we saw the GP in like the end of the summer that year. And our appointment was for the June of the following year. Hmm. So it was like a seven-month wait. Okay. That's kind <laughs> of excruciating. For the, just for the first appointment. So yeah, we waited about seven months for the first appointment. And then actually at this point, I'm 36. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think we can wait seven months. You know, like, honestly, I think we just need yeah. to crack on. So we kept that appointment in the diary. And actually, we just decided because we we're very fortunate that we could we would go privately and we would do a couple of rounds or however many rounds we could get in before that appointment and see where we were at. Okay. Hopefully we didn't even need it, you know? So 
So we went to a clinic, uh, which is a kind of local clinic to where we live, but is twinned with a, a clinic in the centre of London. And we started treatment. And I mean, to be honest, when I look back at it now, I just think, I don't really know that we knew what we were doing mm-hmm. at all. You know, Did like, you go I think straight into IVF? Straight into IVF. Okay. And we just sort of rolled with it. You know, it was like, take these drugs, have the mm-hmm. scan. I was like, okay, cool you know, thinking, well, that's all right, because it's going to work, isn't it? Right. Did you have friends who had done it and had been successful? No. Like, I'd had friends who had struggled a bit, um, but never had to to go to IVF. I mean, I knew of people that had had IVF, but no one in my direct circle, so none of my close girl friends. I mean, literally all my friends have, like, hundreds of kids. Like, it's (laughs) ridiculous. They're the most Mm -hmm. fertile people in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we just... And I think I was quite practical. I'm quite a practical person. I kind of just like, right, if that's the solution, let's get on with it and do it. And mm-hmm. so we, yeah, so we kind of got on the roller coaster. And I mean, God, it's a long story, but we, we basically ended up having six fresh rounds of IVF, uh, two PGS testing rounds mm-hmm. of IVF. And then we've just had another round of IVF. Okay. Can we go into the details a little bit? Um, yeah. With those? Um, so tell me about, you know, kind of one yeah, by so one. The first, or... the first two rounds um, were at this one clinic and it was all quite sort of uh, what I would call standard IVF. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of the drug was very, very, very standard. I was scanned sort of every four days maybe. And we kind of, we collected, um, God, I can't even remember the numbers now. My, I never, I've never, I've never produced loads of eggs. Okay. And I've, my, my egg count has never been very high. I think the most I've ever collected at a collection is, or a pickup, as you guys say, is like eight. Okay. So fairly low-ish uh-huh. in terms of numbers. Right. Um, but we've been, I've been learning just through talking to different doctors and different people that it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't matter how many, totally. you know, it's the quality, not the quantity. So Absolutely. I had a ton, but half of them dropped off like the very next day. Which so was also the kind of irony and frustration of where we've been all along is that even though I didn't collect very many, they always fertilized, mm-hmm. like literally all of them always fertilized. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had very few drop-offs, mm-hmm. like however many we collected, probably two thirds always survived. Okay. So it wow. was, it was kind of mind boggling in terms of the numbers were low, but that the odds were for us in a way. Right. And how were you um, doing with all of the drugs and stuff like leading up to the retrievals or the collections? Yeah, you said honest, collection sounds a lot better. It's like more, classic. we call it egg collection. I mean, yes. that's what it says on the tin, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking to someone uh, who's uh, Italian actually at the weekend and a, uh, she was calling it pickup, like pickup. And I was like, oh, oh. it's just. It's so collection. cool how there's different terms in different countries. Yeah, really I should do funny. like a list of them all. That's kind of yeah. interesting. So, I mean, the drugs, I think to be honest, that's part of the reason why we did so many bloody rounds is they, they don't, I mean, you might have to ask my husband his opinion on this, but they never really affected me in a in a really negative way like I I don't I don't know why but I never got super hormonal like I bloated but I did it wasn't excessive they didn't make me uncomfortable I don't really have an issue with needles you Mm -hmm. know I'll just stab away and forget about it and I think as a consequence I I kind of 
I didn't become numb to the process, but you know, just, it didn't bother me. It was just kind of, all right, I'll just get on with it. It's, it's just what it is. You know, I just didn't, I, I didn't have any adverse reactions. You know, it didn't make me feel terrible uh, on any of my rounds actually. So, so yeah, those first two rounds, we, we collected and we had on those two rounds, I think it was a day three transfer. For some mm-hmm. reason, that clinic didn't take them to Velocity. A lot of clinics here don't. I don't know whether it's like in the US, but when you have low numbers of eggs, they're really keen to get them back in you rather than take them to blastocyst mm, and risk okay. losing them. Yeah, I think um, everybody's different. It just kind of depends on the clinic and totally, you know, what their yeah. philosophies are. Exactly. So this clinic was, you know, the best environments in you, so we're going to transfer them back in you. So the first transfer was fine, but it didn't implant. Mm. The second transfer was a total shit show. What happened? Um, so everything was fine right up to transfer and... Uh, my mom actually came with me because it was one of those days where we thought transfer was going to be on the Sunday and ended up being on the Saturday. And my husband had flown up to Edinburgh to see some friends on the mm-hmm. Friday. And then I called him on Friday when he was at the airport saying, um, it's tomorrow. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. and I was your like, trip. <laughs> wow. I just said, look, you're there now. Like just spend the night there and get a flight back in the morning mm-hmm. and I'll meet you at the clinic in the morning. So my mum was like, I'll come with you just in case he doesn't make it for any reason. You know, you've got something. I was like, fine, no problem. So the three of us were there and we went in and my husband and I went in and had to the theatre and, you know, embryologist name comes off on the screen. This is your mm-hmm. embryo. Yeah, it looks lovely. Mm-hmm. It's your name. Yes, blah, blah, blah. And then my consultant goes to do the transfer and it's not like she hadn't done a transfer on me before. I have a retroverted uterus, but it's never been an issue. Okay. What does ever. that mean exactly? So it's when your uterus is slightly tilted backwards. Okay. So sometimes it can be a bit tricky to get the catheter in. Uh-huh. Um, but most, you know, you do practice from every consultant. There's a practice round whenever they do a transfer and there's never been an issue. Anyway, this time there was. Oh, and no. suddenly she just went, uh, what happened? Oh, yeah, I was lying there and then she just said, you know, when something's just taking a bit too long. I was like, this wasn't how it was last time. And mm-hmm. then she went back out to the back where the embryologists are. And I was sort of sitting there, you know, legs akimbo on the table, right. like looking at John, just going, what, like what's going on? And then I, it was like literally 10 minutes and I was sitting there, oh lying God. there rather. And I said to the nurse, like, do you mind like taking that out of my vagina? Because yeah. like, I'm kind of uncomfortable and I don't yeah. know what's going on. Like, and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Okay. And then the consultant comes back in and I was like is there a problem like what's she said I I, this has just never happened to me before and I was like what so basically she thinks she transferred the embryo (gasps) but because of the catheter like she didn't she hadn't put it in the optimum place that she would like to put it in and they checked the catheter and it wasn't in the catheter so she was like the only place it can be is in your uterus I was like but you don't know for sure well couldn't they tell well, this was my this was my point, and I was like, "Well, oh I don't." I said, "I don't really understand what's happening here." And she said, "Look, it's fine. It's definitely in there. You know, it, it's just you know, it's just a slight hiccup. I don't. I don't. I apologize. I don't." Oh, she didn't even apologize. Actually, she just said, "I don't know what happened." I was like, "Oh, but it's in there." She was like, "Yes." I said, "You don't sound very sure." Yeah. She said, "Well, 
it can't be anywhere else was the way that she put it. Oh my God. Um, I feel like I'm going to burst into tears. That's traumatic. It, it, and at the time we were just like in a bit of shock and just went, well, okay. As long as it's in there, you know, it's in there, but that's pretty shit. And yep. so we walked out and the clinic were, were kind of paired with, which is where all the kind of, sort of procedures and stuff took place were amazing. And they phoned me the, that that afternoon and checked in and said, let me know what happened. Like, are you okay? My consultant didn't call me at all. Oh. Like, and then it was obviously the weekend. So she wasn't in clinic and I was emailing her saying, we need to like, we need to come and see you on Monday and discuss what's happened because, and obviously I was super emotional and yes. my husband was like fuming and we'd got on really well with our nurse who looked after us there. Mm-hmm. And I just, we, so we arranged this meeting with our consultant and I said to this, this nurse, I just said, would you mind sitting in on the meeting? I said, I don't mm-hmm. want to put you in an awkward position, but equally I know it's going to be like, she said, I said, and I yep. need some witness to what she's saying. Good for you. Um, and she said, yeah, uh, yeah, I will. I don't usually, but I understand that you're really upset. And, mm-hmm. and we had this meeting with her. She still didn't accept that she'd made a mistake. She was, to- I mean, I never really gelled with her to begin with. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. But I was like, maybe that's just fertility doctors. You know, like I had no experience of what they were supposed to be like. So yeah, we had this really emotional horrific conversation with her where she refused to accept responsibility for what she'd done and uh like I was just crying and my husband was just like but don't you understand what's happened here like you're not even offering us anything you know they didn't even offer us any like compensation or say that like right. your next transfer would be free or right. like you know we really apologize and what can we do and and I just around and was like you're you're never coming anywhere near me again I was yeah. like I've lost tra- total trust in you total yes. faith I think you're like I think your attitude's appalling so thanks but no thanks oh and we God. just walked out so but sorry the thing, oh. yeah I mean looking back at now it's just like God, you know, but in a good way, I guess it took us somewhere else. So the nurse that worked there actually worked at a different clinic in London before, which is a really renowned clinic, mm-hmm. which has a bit of waiting list. And she was like, if you're going to go there, I'll, I'll message them and I'll try and see if I can get you an earlier appointment. And we oh, like, good. Yeah. So sweet. Thank you so much. So then we switched clinics and we went to a clinic in, in the center of London in Harley Street. Okay. Sorry um, to interrupt, but yeah. just, just so for that transfer where you didn't really know where the embryo, did did you ever that have a follow-up or it just, it didn't take obviously, right? It didn't like, take. And, okay. But did you have uh, to go in for testing or did you just assume that it was not going to be anything? We we went, we we had a blood test. You did. Okay. Um, yeah, but I'd already started bleeding before oh. the blood test. So, I mean, I have to say up front, we've never had a positive pregnancy through any of our IVF mm. rounds. Okay. Uh, we've never had implantation. So we moved clinics and we went to uh, this quite intense clinic in London um, called ARGC. It's quite renowned. And the consultant who runs it, Mr. Tiranasi, is kind of like nicknamed the baby doctor. Like, mm. And it's kind of like where all the problem people go. Okay, <laughs> It's like if you're a bit old and you've had numerous failed rounds elsewhere, everywhere, everyone goes here because it's quite expensive. So it's a kind of like you would try somewhere else before going there first, really. Uh 
So we embarked on that, which is a totally different experience because they're ama- they are totally amazing, this clinic, but it is like boot camp. Like you have a blood test every day at 7.30 in the morning. Sometimes you have two blood tests in a day. Sometimes you have two scans in a day. They change your drugs every day, depending on your blood test results. Uh, it's like a conveyor belt. Like it wow. is literally. So if you're one of those people that's a kind of, you know, needs a Zen space and needs someone to hold your hand. This is not the clinic for you. This <laughs> right. is like, you know, you just about have a squeaky chair and a water cooler. Like it's no frills. <laughs> like there's no bean bags and hot chocolate or any of that crap. It's like, it's, you know, sometimes you don't even get a seat. You have to stand in the hallway and wait for your blood test. So it's oh my like, God. they're like, we're making babies, damn it. <laughs> we're making babies and we're making a lot of money. So move on. Let's get in, you know, yes. let's get them in. Let's get. But, but they were. But amazing. did that feel good because you felt like th- they knew what they were doing? At I least? felt like there was more control. Like yeah. it was like I'm. I couldn't be more closely monitored if I tried. Like, right. <laughs> you know, they ran every test under the sun. You know, I. Uh, I mean, I'd had a hysteroscopy before then, but you know, I've, I mean, I've literally had every single test related to IVF that yeah. is going. I think pretty much that's relevant to me anyway. So yeah, we then did four rounds at ARGC, but after our first round failed, we got pregnant naturally. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Total shock. Okay. Like we were literally waiting for my period to start the next round of IVF. Uh And my period was late. This is really unusual for me. Like I'm never late. I'm literally like on the dot to the day. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, I did a test and it was positive and then I went to them and I had a blood test and it was positive and I was like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. But when I went for the blood test, my HCG level was like through the roof. It was like, you're either having twins or you're having a topic pregnancy. Mm. So I was like, okay. And then the next kind of three weeks, four weeks were basically in and out of, it's what we, we call it here. Um, an early pregnancy unit at the local hospital. Okay. And it was like in and out of there having scans. They couldn't find it. So then it was a pregnancy of unknown location. It wasn't ectopic. Whoa. Um, Where was it? Did you ever figure it out? Well, they did eventually find it, but it was really small. And then they said, it's likely not to be viable, but let's just wait and come back in a couple of weeks because you just never know. So mm-hmm. let's just let it do its thing. And then it wasn't and I miscarried at eight and a half weeks oh I'm so Um, sorry yeah so it was kind of it was just bizarre like the whole thing was bizarre because I think we just weren't expecting it either and we were like how did that even happen right so it was between your third and fourth third and fourth round okay yeah did you have Um, any moment of like you got to kind of celebrate and be happy about it or was it just like nerve-wracking the whole time um, I mean, like the day off, like the day we found out, we kind of told our parents and mm-hmm. our family and a few of our friends and we were like, this is just totally bizarre, but we're pregnant and everyone got a bit excited and we were mm-hmm. like, well, we just don't know. So, and then I think pretty much straight away when it started to be like, there was nothing quite right about it. So mm-hmm. no one kind of got too excited. It was, you know, it was like, yeah, this probably isn't going to end well. So that was kind of tough, but mm-hmm. I think because it was also so unexpected, it was, you know, it's not like we didn't grieve that we'd had a miscarriage, but it was almost like, I think because it was fairly early, well, you know, I, I know no one's lucky in that situation, but 
you know, I didn't have to have any medical intervention. It all happened pretty naturally and it wasn't horrific. And I mean, it was horrific as those things are, but you know, it, it wasn't physically too bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we almost just thought of it as just like another failed round of IVF. Yeah. It was kind of like, all right, let's like let's get back on the train <laughs> like we just got to move on basically right it's um, like the roller coaster of this whole infertility stuff yeah so many ups just and downs. yeah totally how so are you we, doing emotionally and how are things with you and your husband yeah I mean really like my husband's a total legend um I know everyone <laughs> says that about their husbands but um, that's awesome he yeah he yeah like, I often use a hashtag when I uh talk about him on Instagram it's like right. Dwighty is, is a legend so it's, it's really confusing but I call my husband by our last name yeah so. that's why yeah I thought when you said John I was like oh I thought his name was Who Dwight and then I was like oh that's your last name okay got and it. then everyone thinks it's his first name I was like he's not called Dwight um <laughs> anyway so Dwighty yeah um he's just like yeah he's just great and he's I mean he's kind he's kind of the warrior in the relationship to be honest but mm-hmm. through all of this it's he's just been like it's our standard kind of catchphrase he's like if I'm not worried you definitely don't need to be worried it's kind of like a funny like if I have a little wobble about something he's like no 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 it's fine don't worry about it it's like you know and he'll go off and do a little bit of research and come back and go no no no, it's fine don't like he's just very calm and very level-headed and that's awesome which is really really lovely and I think we're just really lucky that we just you know we're we're talkers you know we we just as we've probably gathered by now because I haven't stopped talking um, I love it <laughs> that's uh, what we do on these podcasts yeah um yeah and we just we just talk about what's happening and what's what's in our minds and I think it's what it's one of those things when you're doing this sort of or on this sort of experience is like you and I know not everyone finds it very easy but it really I think makes you find out a lot about your relationship and even though I knew all of these things before I married him I was like you know I knew he was a great guy and I knew but it kind of just reinforced everything I already knew you know mm-hmm. like it was like you're you're so kind-hearted and generous and like oh. how do I you know you're just always there like it, it was just yeah it was That's so sweet. So I, think, I love to hear that. I think, again, it's not like I'm trying to make out like I'm a cold-hearted bitch because I'm so not. But like, <laughs> I'm hopefully one of the most loving, love, friendly people you'll ever meet. But I just, I think I just, I think at that point when you're just set up for disappointment, you end up just being a bit programmed. And I know that that's a really pessimistic way to think about things, but no, I, just, I think that I just makes a lot of sense. Th- and I think it's all that self-preservation, right? You kind of totally. you set yourself up so that you think it's going to be bad news, so that if mm. it isn't, that's a bonus. But actually, what you're preparing for is the worst the whole time. Yes. So, and I think it was just a bit of that, and it was like a bit of self-preservation. And we're yeah. quite good at kind of cheering ourselves up, you know. Like we're, all, you know, we love to go out and have a good time, right. and you know, basically every failed round ended up with us in a pub, right. getting drunk, um, sure. which I know no one, like, it's so funny, is it? Like people think everyone who does IVF is like holier than thou and that they nope. don't do anything. I, I was wasn't. Like, uh, 
no. I was like, I got drunk for like about a month after every fair round. Amen. Like, just, you know, show me the wine. Let's right. go and have a good time. Forget about it. I'm doing all the things that I shouldn't do. Don't care. Well, it's, you have and to think, get that release, you know. Totally. Totally. And I think that's, bec- and because we're kind of, you know, that's, that's what we like doing. That's our social life. We like going and, you know, having a drink in the pub or going to a nice restaurant or, so we're good at like doing things and picking ourselves back up and mm-hmm. just saying, and being grateful, I guess, without being too cheesy about all the stuff we have got. Like we're really lucky. We have a nice life and enjoy, let's just enjoy what it is then rather Completely. than dwell on kind of the shit stuff. Right. Um, and then you sort of go, okay, got that out of my system now. <laughs> like, right. Uh, back at it. Back at it. Right. Yeah. What's the next one? Um, exactly. It's not like you're like Nicolas Cage and leaving Las Vegas and like going yeah. to <laughs> No, exactly. Have a few beers or glass of yeah. wine and get back at it. That's normal. Exactly. Exactly. So, so then we just sort of, yeah. And then we just cracked on and uh, we, again, we had, you know, good collection, well, low, but good collections, good fertilization. And they just weren't implanting and it got to our fourth round and, um, and the consultant kind of said, like, isn't, she said that we just, you know, we don't, we can't explain really what's, what's going on, but really what it must come down to now is your egg quality. There's another, there's no other explanation as to why you're not getting pregnant because everything else is normal, you know? And I had like this clinic also do all of that immunotherapy. So I'd had intralipids, I'd had IVIGs, I'd had, you know, all sorts of stuff, steroids, you know, whatever they'd had, they'd flung at me and none of it had worked. And I know there's a lot of debate and research over whether all of those add-ons at clinics are relevant or, or even have any scientific backup, but when you're in it and they say, well, this might help you go. Yeah. Okay. I'll pay 2000 pounds for a drip for three hours. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. You know, like it's just, you just do it, don't you? Because you're like, well, it might make the difference. Right. Um, so, but by our fourth round, our consultant's like, yeah, we think it's, we do think it's a quality now because there's no other explanation. You know, Mm -hmm. you've done four rounds with us. You've done six rounds overall. So we kind of, took a step back and we were like, what else can we do? Mm -hmm. You know? And she said, we'll keep going for as long as you want to keep going. She's like, it's just whether emotionally and financially you can do it. So we're sort of in your hands. So, and they had said, look, egg donation is probably going to be your best chance. Okay. And when we started, my chances, I think were like less than 10%. Um, and I think by the end, like 2%. And I always have this ridiculous conversation with people. It's like, if it, in any other part of your life, if someone turned around to you and went, okay, there's a 98% chance this isn't going to work, you'd mm-hmm. go, uh, you know, excuse my French. I can't think of a way to say it without swearing. Swear. Um, you can swear. Uh, you'd be like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Like, yeah. no way. Like, that's ridiculous. But if someone says to you, but there's a 2% chance it will, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I know. Of course. Yeah. Funny? yeah. It's just, it's weird how your brain gets wired to right. like cling on to the- Well, just, there's the, even the one iota that it's going to work if you want it so badly, you cling to that for sure. Totally. And I always used to say, it doesn't matter whether it's 2% or 5%. I was like, it's a chance. Mm-hmm. And it's the way that I always used to kind of frame it in my head. It was like yeah. less about statistics. It was just like, 
but it might it's a bit like the lottery yeah it might be you right um, right yeah it might be you never know the, one, the saying in new york is the new york lottery is like the catchphrase is you never know you n- well t- okay yeah exactly you never, know. you never know i like that so yeah so we so we decided actually to like our clinic were amazing and they are one of the best in london but as ever we were like okay well if that's your opinion let's let's just go and get some other opinions. And we went to a couple of other clinics and had some consultations and we were just, one of them I didn't really like. I was like, oh, this is pokey and I don't, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so then we, ARGC had recommended was potentially if it was egg donation, they don't actually do it at that clinic. Uh So they were like, you know, we might suggest you go to Spain or to um, another clinic in London who we would work with. And I was like, okay. okay." And then I said, what about like any other testing that we can do? Um, You know, like PGS testing or, and they said, yeah, we could do that if you want to do that. And it was for us, it was kind of like another another tick box in terms of what else can we do like Mm -hmm. really giving it like our biggest shot with my eggs in terms of right exhausting every option basically and they said yeah we do that test and then when we looked into it we were like they're just going to send it to Spain anyway so why Uh don't we just go to Spain Uh (laughs) um and just cut out the middleman so we were also a bit like John slash Dwighty is also a bit of a, um, (laughs) the legend, the legend is a bit of a believer in, you know, as most people would be, you know, you put different inputs in to get different results. And if you Uh keep putting the same things in, you're going to get the same results. So we were like, okay, well let's change the environment, you know, Mm -hmm. find a different clinic. And so we decided to go to a clinic in Valencia in Spain, which was very nice. Okay. Um, and we had two rounds of treatment there where we, we PGS tested our embryos. Okay. Um, so how does that work logistically? Do you move there for like a short period of time? So, Are you going yeah, back and so forth or like? I was, I was quite, uh, because I haven't been working because I've been on Project IVF for the mm-hmm. last couple of years, mm-hmm. which again, I've been very fortunate to do, which yeah. I don't know how I did all those rounds when I was working because I worked in advertising and it's fucking crazy right um, and the hours are insane the hours and are you're insane. shooting if you're shooting commercials and stuff and yeah, tv like it, that's like i'm running around trying to find meeting rooms to do injections in and you know yeah. like failing on client meetings because i've got to go back to the clinic and all that jazz yep. um so i was really lucky so actually we just said I re- we rented an airbnb um and i was there for like 10 well, actually, one one visit I was there for like over two weeks, but like my mum came out with me. We had like five days with her, and then Dwighty flew out, and then it was like a mini holiday. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. It was just like, and I speak a bit of Spanish, so I was kind of enjoying like mingling with the locals, right? Um, and it was just a different experience, and it was just nice being in a different place. You know, it it gave it a different focus. Uh, didn't change the result, unfortunately, but we had a lovely okay. time doing it. So, okay. so two rounds there, two rounds there, um, okay. and both we only had one embryo each time mm. to test, and they both came back abnormal. Oh and we so- said we would do three rounds, and I said after the second round, I was like, I know it's going to come back abnormal again. I just know it is. Yeah. And I said, and that kind of cemented with me as well that. The issue is my eggs okay. and we're not going to, they're not getting any better and yeah. therefore 
the embryos are going to come back abnormal. And then in like yeah. hindsight, that was also like kind of explained the miscarriage. It explained why we've mm-hmm. never had a, any sort of result from mm-hmm. IVF in terms of implantation. The things were like clicking, like every little step we went across, things were just like clicking in terms of, okay, right. well, that makes sense to me anyway. Or, totally. But sometimes um, you just have to be ready in your gut to move on to the next step, right? Like it was yeah. like, you might've known that even earlier, but you weren't ready to move on yet. Yeah, exactly. So um, can I ask you to just to yeah. put it in perspective? So how long had it been up until this point since you guys started trying? Was it, it must've been like so over six, a year. So we've been trying for six years. Six years. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like one year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Six years. Okay. Six years. And then. So we kind of had like two, one, I mean, obviously some of that was just not through IVF. That was just trying naturally. But so four and a a half years of IVF. Of full on IVF. Okay. And how old were you at this point after the, you decided to not do the the third? So that was the, that was the beginning of this year. God, this year seems to be really long. So 2019. Um, So 2019. So March of this year was our last round of IVF. Okay. Um, so then what happened? So then, um, the next chapter, the next chapter is we just realized and decided that, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of take stock in your, okay, what do we really want? And actually what we really want is to have a family. And does that really matter how that happens? Mm -hmm. Not really. And so we decided that we would go to egg donation. Mm -hmm. Um, that's so awesome that it's even an option, right? I mean, it's totally incredible. Like, yeah. it's insane that there are even these options. Like, yeah. the IVF is even an option. I right. mean, it, it, it still blows my mind, you know, the fact that this all happens, even though people say, oh, it should be moved on by now. And did I like, hang on. Like, it's only been around for 40 years. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> give it a break. But yeah, it's totally incredible that, and now, and even more recently, particularly with terms of egg donation, that the options within that have become mm-hmm. so varied and so brilliant for different people in different situations. And so, yeah, so we decided to to move on and okay. we talked about it a lot. And we went to see a counsellor because I felt like it was a thing that I should tick off the list again. Mm-hmm. It, not that I felt like I've, I've, I've never had any therapy in any of this time I've never okay. really felt like I've needed it I just uh-huh. I think because as I said I, I talk about this shit all the time <laughs> so yeah. you know and I find that's like my therapy like that's sure. kind of the way that I deal with it um yep. anyway we went to see this fertility counselor because I was like well maybe donation's different and it is obviously because there are different dynamics that you have to consider mm-hmm. and you know the grief of your own genetics and all of that stuff yep which is hard. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, especially when, you know, my family has really strong genes. Like even my niece and nephew, my brother's kids uh-huh. basically could be my kids. Like, okay. like it's ridiculous. You know, and I put pictures of my mum and I and everyone's like, oh my God, you two are so similar. Like, right. and then I think I'm never going to have that. Like yeah. I'm never, you know, and that's hard. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you say that. Cause I think that that is one of the realities of it that people yeah. might feel weird admitting you know yeah. like nothing to be ashamed equally, of that at all um on the on the flip side which is also you know and not just because you're trying to rationalize it to yourself but you also just go but even if I had my own biological kids 
there's no I wouldn't even know if they were gonna like me anyway <laughs> you yes <know>? like, yes <laughs> like some just don't you know right. like it's totally you know. it's a cra- it's then, a total crapshoot yeah exactly it's just like you know and that is the like bizarre bizarre amazingness of genetics it's like mm-hmm. you mix it all up and you don't know what you're gonna get it's yes. kind of so yeah, so we went to this counselor and anyway, it didn't do anything for me. I mean, she was nice, but it, I felt like I almost knew more about it than she did. Okay. Um, and that's probably because I live in this little, you know, Instagram bubble of fertility sure. that kind of, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's almost like, I think I know too much about all this stuff. I yeah. just like, I'm sure you feel the same. It's kind of like you know, sometimes you wish you didn't know as much as you do, but equally, right. it's but really on the empowering. flip side I- on the flip side, I do feel like I'm like learning so much every single time I do an interview with somebody because I'm always like, what's that? I've never heard of that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also because so everyone's different, right? Everyone has really specific. Completely. You know, whether it's, you know, like I don't have endometriosis, but someone else does. And that changes right. the whole landscape of what they're dealing with and what they're doing, you know? Yes. So, so anyway, we went to this council and the only thing that I took away from it, which I've said to a lot of people since who have asked me, kind of how who were also now going through this process and have asked how I you know how I chose my donor or I did whatever it was she just said when you're looking for your donor it's never going to be 100% right it just has to be right enough Mm. and it really stuck with me because I was like you're looking for you but that doesn't exist because you 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 know it's never going to be 100% the same as you I love that but if there's always going to be something that just feels right enough that you feel totally comfortable with it and that you feel like that's the right decision. Yes. Wow. And, um, so that was worth the, you know, whatever it was, 170 quid we paid her. So, um, (laughs) I took that away and we never saw her again. Um, and then we just started looking into what we, but I think what helped was that it made us realize, uh, what we wanted in terms of we could have gone to Valencia, back to Valencia and had a donor transfer within six weeks of deciding. Uh-huh. But it would have been it would have been totally anonymous, but the clinic would have chosen it for us. We would have never known anything about them apart from Oh the, wow. Okay. She has brown hair and brown eyes and she's mm-hmm. five foot three and a half like me. Like that's it. And we decided that that wasn't for us and that we did want to know more about our donor. Um, and that was important for us. And as shallow as it sounds it was really important for me to see photos of the donor and know and everyone has different views about I don't think that's Um, shallow at all you want to know what your potential child is going to look like yeah but I think some people and totally that's you know that's their prerogative in terms of what they think but but it's quite a weird thing to to admit to yourself like Mm -hmm. it's you know no one wants to think that you know, they're worried about looks or that they're, you know, because everyone's like, no, it doesn't matter about that. I'm like, mm. I mean, right. I'm, all, I'm all right. Like, I, you know, I'm not a total minger. So I think I just want to... <laughs> a minger, you know, I love that term. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know whether I should be saying all of this, but like, I just, I was like, I want to know. Like, I want to know what she looks like. And, you know, and I think it was really important for, for Dwighty as well. I think that's just part of the process, you know, that, yeah. I think that's a realistic part of the process. Yeah. It's not like you're like, my daughter, my son needs to be gorgeous, but you want to know what they're going to look like. It's a huge yeah. deal. And I think what helped me was, was that right enough phrase was that as it was about finding something familiar 
with that person sure that made me feel more comfortable rather than just reading a load of s- stats and yes statistics about somebody or answers on a, on a questionnaire it was like you know you literally can look into their eyes and mm-hmm. kind of go yeah I get you like I think you look lovely or you know like I think you look like a nice person or whatever absolutely um, so because we decided that we wanted to know more that level of information it kind of drove us down two sort of automatic paths in terms of where we could go to get treatment one of them was your lovely country obviously Mm. um (laughs) and the other one was russia okay you couldn't have two more opposite places we won't open the political political, no Um, us and russia so yeah go on (laughs) But, um, and we had a consultation with a, a clinic in the States um, on Skype. And, but then a friend of mine, really old friend of mine actually, um, had ha- been having a similar process. She'd actually frozen her eggs in her mid 30s and hadn't got together with another friend of mine until later on and, did a, and tried with her own eggs and it didn't work. And mm-hmm. she'd looked at egg donation. Um, she scanned, she's from Sweden. So she'd been recommended to go to Russia for that reason because of heritage and looks and mm, okay portion of kind of that type of look uh, was going to be higher there and she found this clinic and she raved about it and she's her little girl is now five months old okay um so we'd had some good feedback from there and then we looked at the price and it was like a third of the cost of going to the states oh wow <laughs> so we were like Okay. Russia it is. <laughs> Russia it is. Well, we kind of like, well, let's look at it. Let's go through the database. And if we can't find anyone, then we'll go to the States and we'll try and make it happen in whatever way we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, the clinic in Russia were just amazing. Like the best communication I've had, like, and I've been at like four different clinics now. Wow. Um, that's so great to hear. It was so nice and so refreshing. And they were so lovely. I mean, they're the only the only place where I've had direct email with my consultant and they would reply in emojis. I mean, I've never had that before ever. <laughs> like I would go, hey, that's okay. And they reply with like a thumbs up and a smiley face. Oh, I'd be like, cute. Okay, sure. For millennials. I, mean, I was like, oh, okay. That's a bit weird, but okay, that's great. Um, so yeah, so we decided to go there. So we chose our donor in June. Um, end of June, mm-hmm. beginning of July. Um, and we had our transfer in October. Okay. So one question about the donor. So you didn't get mm. to meet the donor, right? You just saw pictures. No. So she's still totally anonymous. Okay. Um, we did, we, um, that will be the case in theory in wow. speech marks forever. Okay. Um, there's no chance that you'll ever get to meet her, or find anything more. No, about wow. no. but the, I mean, the amount of information is like pretty, my name. They get. They go through, and actually, this clinic in Russia, all of their donors are already mothers. Mm. So you get information on their kids, like how old they are, what color eyes they have, what color okay. hair they have, like cool. their family history, like their parents, their grandparents, like literally how tall they were, what they, right. you know. I mean, it's really super detailed. So cool. Um, it is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, that was where we wanted to go. And there's lots of debate in terms of, you know, egg donation over anonymity and non-anonymity mm-hmm. and you know the gray areas in between and what's right and what's wrong I just I think whatever right is what's right for you mm-hmm. like that you know we're always going to be totally open with our 
child about who how how they came to be and yes so you know and in you know god in 18 years time everybody will know who everybody is so it's like you know it's, <laughs> exactly you you'll know, like you be able to scan to someone's wrist with your like exactly. whatever yeah. piece of technology and be like you get the whole history exactly exactly it's, um, it'll probably be way cooler than that but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was a lame example yeah it um, won't be a blood test or a finger prick to sure. post these days it'll just yeah. be like something else but so you had the transfer and how did that go so uh, oh my God, it was hilarious. So yeah, it, I mean, one, it was amazing being, in, it was in St. Petersburg where we had our treatment and it is the most beautiful city. One, I have to say, I was really, not that I, I had some preconceptions before we went. I knew it was beautiful in parts, mm-hmm. but it was just so fascinating, um, which was also just another bonus of like, we get to come to another city. <laughs> right. um, it's like the international wonders of IVF. It's um, so crazy cool. Yeah. And so we, yeah, so all the treatment went really well and we went to have transfer and we were in the theatre and we were like, oh, it's, you know, it's exciting. And the embryologist brought the catheter in and it was almost like the door triggered like a playlist and (laughs) suddenly (laughs) in this theatre came uh, the dulcet tones of, we are the world. Oh we my are God. the children. It was the most bizarre <gasps> thing. And I just started wetting myself with laughter. Like I couldn't <laughs> contain myself. I was like, is this for real? This cannot be happening. They're oh not God. playing Michael Jackson as we're having yes. our transfer. This is wrong on so many levels. But, and John was then laughing. And then I could see the consultant, at, like the um, embryonic dead. Uh, yeah the consultant who was doing it and I was just like she started smiling the nurse started teaching and I was just like oh my god this is the most this is the funniest thing I've ever and she was like you need to stop laughing because (laughs) I'm gonna try and put the catheter in and obviously my cervix is contracting because I'm like giggling and trying not to wet myself because obviously I've got like a full bladder right anyway so that carries on in the background whilst I'm having this transfer oh my um, gosh it's it so just, appropriate it though, because so you had surreal. been all over the world, right? <laughs> well, this is true. This is true. But I was just like, do some people find this like comforting? Right. Or like, is this, I mean, maybe it's just me. I'm a bit of a cynic, but I was like, this is weird. This is odd. But no, actually it was very, it was very funny. And I'm actually going to email them because I was like, I feel like you need to like bury up your playlist a little bit. Like if you're yeah. going to play music. Let's think of some other options. Maybe because, some classical or like something. Yeah, like, like maybe just something not so specific. I mean, you know, I thought like, you know, even Whitney would be better than that. You know, it's <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So anyway, so that was That's quite amazing. memorable in a way. So it all went perfectly fine. And then they were like, okay, we'll have a safe flight home. We were like, okay, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, is that it? And then you kind of forget what a transfer mm-hmm. is. Right. So we flew home with a lot of legal Russian drugs in our luggage. Okay. And um, yeah, and then 10 days later, 10 days, like eight days, nine days, whatever it was later, uh, we took a test and we found out we're pregnant. Oh my God. Which is totally insane. Well, um, yes. Tell me about the test. Did you have to go into a clinic or did you do an at-home test? You didn't have to so, go back to Russia, did you? No, 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 no. Okay. So we did have to have a, a HCG, HCG blood test. But sure. I'd been through that process before 
like you have to go up to Harley Street. It's like a uh, you pay for it private clinic and it's like a just a lab that you go in walk into but it takes like three or four hours to do it and I've been in that situation so many times before and it's just mm-hmm. been total torture like I found out one of our rounds didn't work in like New Balance on Oxford Street in London you know like trying to buy a pair of train you know right. it's just like <laughs> I don't want to go through that again That's, yeah so we decided to do a home test and um, you're like I can never go in that store again now can never go in New cursed. Balance again <laughs> yeah exactly totally um so we took a, a test. I think I like woke up about half six in the morning and I like, prodded Dwight. I need the toilet. And he was like, oh, oh shit. Okay. Right. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you're going to do it now. I was like, well, I need the toilet. He was like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And I like, before I had literally, you know, pissed on the stick, opened the bathroom door and come out, like the result had already come up. <gasps> and I was like, Uh-oh. and I wasn't expecting it to. I was expecting me to get back into bed with John and like, you know, look right. at it and wait for it to come up. So then I like threw my hands to my mouth, just went, <gasps> and it was still dark in the bedroom. He was like, I can't see your face. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, shit. Sorry. And then like, I don't know why I just didn't turn the main light on, you know, I'm getting my phone and like getting the torch out to look at the <laughs> test. It was just like total, like fast. Anyway, and like then we were just like, you know, crying. And oh God. They were happy and we were just like, oh my God, this is just like totally bizarre it's kind of I think it was one of those things as well where because it was it was egg donation there was a it was more likely to work than not Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. but you still still because you've been through all of this shit you still like but it might not it still might not work Mm. and like it's hard also then to temper you know other people's expectations of what the result might be and right all of that so it was just and also just weird, like, I just, you know, I've never been pregnant, like, properly. I mean, I was, I know, but the thought right. of that was more weird to me than any of the IVF stuff and any of the yeah everything else. It was like, just the thought that I might actually be pregnant was just totally bizarre and yes, surreal. Exactly. So you, um, uh, this is fairly recent news, right? How far along are you now? This is really recent news. So I'm 10 weeks. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so happy for you. Yeah. So we had a seven week scan and heard the heartbeat. Oh God. Just totally, what did that feel like? Oh my God. It was just, just so bizarre. Just like, and I think until that point, even though we'd had the positive test, I was still quite reserved about it and kind mm-hmm. of I was like but I said to myself as soon as you have that as soon as we have that scan there's really no reason why anything should go wrong mm-hmm. so you know just get on with it just mm-hmm. enjoy it like I know I know so many people who've really really struggled with that post yeah fertility kind of um pregnancy and just denied it their whole pregnancy and got to like 32 weeks and been like, Oh my God, I'm having a baby. You know, like it's, yes. And I think, God, that's really, it's really sad. Like, and I just promised myself that I just, I'm not, I'm not that sort of anxious warrior sort of person anyway, but I was just like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen now. So sure just go with it enjoy it enjoy it and get on with it so oh my god I'm so we have excited another scan next week which is really exciting. okay and you feel you're feeling okay weeks. yeah I feel uh I feel all right I mean I think I'm getting away with it like as in 
As in, I feel like I feel nauseous and I feel tired, but that's totally fine. Yeah. Like some days the nauseous, like the nausea has been pretty bad, but I haven't been sick. It definitely hasn't put me off my food. In fact, it's made it worse, Um, which is all great. But then I kind of think, well, actually, I bloody deserve it to be all right. Like, That's I don't right. want to be heinously ill or, you know, <laughs> in any sort of, I mean, that would be really crap if I went through all of this and then had a horrific pregnancy. But, yeah, um, yeah I feel I feel all right. I'm kind of looking forward to the next couple of weeks being over just so that I know that I'll feel different again. Yes. And I'll regain a bit of energy. And, yeah. Like, so the second trimester is soon and every yeah. It's like every milestone, I feel like you might be able to kind of exhale a little bit more and kind of enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah, I think so. It's so great. Well, Healy, I would love to to end it, if you don't mind, just talking a little bit more about egg donation, because I know that there, there might be people listening who are maybe on the fence about going down that route or tell me kind of how you came to that decision and and obviously it, you know, there's a happy ending for you. So yeah, feel about it now. I mean, like I said, it's, it isn't an easy decision because you do have to be prepared to, you know, to let go of, of, of that kind of genetic connection that Mm -hmm. you will have with your child. But I think what really comforted me was listening to other people's stories a bit like on podcasts like yours. Um, I found some amazing people uh, on Instagram and mm-hmm. who had been through the same thing and who were talking about it really openly. And again, it's, you know, it's a bit like just fertility and IVF in general. It's like trying to break the stigma of, of what that means. And right. some people have this thing of like, Oh God, you know, IVF's a dirty word. Egg donation's like even worse, you know, it's kind of, and it's just not, and it's just, and the more people the more people that I came into contact with, the more common it was becoming. And the yep. more, you know, the more people were suddenly like, oh no, I had egg donation. It's like, oh, well, I didn't know that. Like, you know, sure. like, and I just think it, it really depends on what you feel comfortable with, you know, and it might be that you, you want to, you don't want to know anything and actually you want the clinic to take control and that's the way that you want it to work. It might be the, a bit like us that you want to know everything. Uh-huh. Um, I think you just have to find, a, you know, decide on which path you want to go down. And then it's a bit, it, it's almost a bit, it's not overwhelming in terms of starting IVF again, in terms of, you know, which clinic do I go to and which do I do this and which do I do that? But it does, you think you're like, okay, well, I'm doing egg donation and I'll like wipe your hands of it and like sorted now, mm-hmm. that's all done. But it comes with a whole other raft of different decisions and right. options that you have to make. But I think like definitely go and talk to somebody mm-hmm. if you feel like you need to and if you feel like that's something that's either stopping you or you're just not sure about it because I know mm-hmm. for lots of people that I know that really, 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 really helps. Um, yes. And whether that's because, you know, your partner's not sure or your family aren't sure. I know a few people that have been in contact with me over Instagram who have really struggled with family not accepting that that's yeah, what that's they want to do which is such a shame and yeah. it's like you know really it's got nothing to do with them I'd tell them to sod off but you know like totally. it's, but you know you want their support and you want and it's like getting someone to to kind of talk to you about how to navigate those conversations and so is really really helpful and mm-hmm. And help, I think helps you come to those decisions 
as well you know and actually it's all about that sort of educating people isn't it it's like without kind of sounding patronizing to them it's about giving them perspective and giving them context about why you're doing it and yeah all of those things. Um, right. I mean, if you hadn't gone down that road, you wouldn't be 10 weeks pregnant right now, right? So Totally. I mean, I would probably, you know, I, I probably would never have kids. Mm. I mean, that's the reality. And yeah. I think, I think there's a really good, it is a really good mindset to just kind of re, you know, and again, this doesn't necessarily apply, but I still get to carry my baby. I still mm-hmm. get to birth my baby. Equally, there are lots of people who I know who use surrogacy mm-hmm. and say exactly the same thing. They're like, right. it doesn't matter to me. You're like, so, I think it's just totally. the way that you that you position it in your mind is what is it that I really want? And if I want, if it's because I want to be a mom, sorry, if I want to be a mom and... Um, <laughs> I like mom better. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be a mom and you want to have a family, then what 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 do you do yeah and you know and I think and it, it kind of becomes as and it's not as simple as that but it kind of does become as simple as that I think because there are these options like we said at the beginning like how right. lucky are we that we live yes. in a time where this is even possible you yes. know not even for heterosexual couples for gay couples for yes whoever, you know like it it's incredible that this can happen so and awesome. so kind of you're just like well then I'm going to take advantage of that you know like it's why, why should I sort of suffer because yes. when I don't need to necessarily? Yeah. It brings um, up the whole debate of, you know, what is being a parent? What is being a mom? You know, is totally. it someone that carried the baby or that has the genetic? Yeah, and I can, I consider myself, I considered myself a mom a long time ago not because I didn't have, I did or didn't have kids, mm-hmm. but because my friends have kids and I have nieces and nephews exactly. and all my, you know, and I, acts the same way that with them that I would do with my own children I hope that you know you're all looking after each other in certain ways and that just becomes a a slightly different dynamic absolutely so I think it's just like make sure you talk about it make sure you find someone to talk to and make and figure out in your head what you think that looks like and um and there are so many options out there Um, so many thank god thank god for your donor and Thank just God the, for my donor, you know, know and just for her. science in general. And my whole theory, and this is kind of the theme of the podcast too, is just love is love, right? It's totally, it's totally just love is love. Love is love. again guys thank you so much for listening to my conversation with keely i want to thank her again for all of her honesty and openness and for kicking off season two i cannot wait to share so many great stories with you guys this season i have a bunch already lined up and already recorded so there's so much good diverse stuff my goal this season is just diversity all sorts of people all sorts of stories If you have a story or know somebody who wants to talk to me, please email me at infertileafstories at gmail, or you can always follow me and slide into my DMs on Instagram at infertileafstories. I also have a really fun announcement coming soon about a big event that I'm planning with somebody else in this amazing community, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, thank you guys. Love you all. Happy 2020 and happy season two.